Greetings, ladies and mentalgents, and welcome to the latest chapter of Oz Magica, taken from the subreddit HFY. All the relevant links are down below, and please like, comment, and subscribe like any good minion of the algorithm would do. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 57 It was, perhaps, the most anxious I've been in a while, not since the Cavern War had I felt such anxiousness. I was back to dealing with the unknown. I had no idea what this woman's moveset was like, nor what kind of combat capabilities she had. And on to the fact that I was alone, no one would help me, nor would anyone be able to help. Then I realized the yelling had stopped from the woman. Immediately, I felt a premonition around my feet as I jumped, and there, below me, was a foot-long knife, even if this woman had lied about who she was, she was definitely not lying about her skills. She was fantastic with a knife. I thanked Premonition for its handiness. And then I realized that it was still screaming at me. A second knife joined, this one serrated and, for some reason, incredibly bloody. It was also definitely magical, as I could see wisps of something trailing off from within my vision. It tore through the canvas top, racing towards me. I tried activating speed, speed to get out of the way towards the front of the caravan. But then I realized something. Speed, speed needs AP, and I'm tired as all hell. In other words, I'm tapped out, so all I could do was keep jumping. I pushed my legs beyond their limits as the knives kept coming through, threatening to tear my flesh, just like the canvas they pierced. This was a stalemate. I needed an edge. I couldn't just blindly stab through the canvas with my conjured spear, as I could hit Marwar. I couldn't touch it either with my decaying touch, as I would put the use of my hands in danger through the use of that. Wait, could I put my mana into other parts of my body? I mean, I don't think anything's stopping me from doing so, but how does it help with anything? It's not like I could decay through my clothes without losing a little protection from damage. Now that all my AP is gone, I don't gain the extra boost towards my healing. Wait, I need something here, something surprising. Would it work? Maybe, if she's dumb enough to not pay attention to it. I put my plan into action, dodging and weaving around the knives under my feet, trying to stay on top of the canvas. One bad step and I'd plummet off the side of the caravan, so each one counts twice as much as in a regular fight on solid ground. Then... The final stab comes through, and I know that she hasn't thought this far ahead, because as the final edge holding the top is cut, it opens up like a trap door, letting me drop down onto the table in the middle. The fallen top is still attached towards the ceiling, so it swings downwards towards my assailant. I have to admit that this bit was a matter of luck whether or not she was on the right side to be blinded by it. As I regain my balance on the table within, I finally get face to face with a woman. She no longer looks like an old Ev that I thought I was talking to before, but now her entire being is contorted, shifted. Her legs have conjoined, and her head has lost all definition. What the hell is she? Analyze. Name, Carmia Kachka. Race, Pagona. My eyes widen. This, this can't be how. Ah, so you've realized, well... If I was in a different mood, I would be embarrassed, but right now, I've got a job to do, so... With that, her body deformed as she leapt towards me in one fluid motion. 
the knives conjoining along with her hands in one smooth movement, blood seeming to spray in a radius around her. I jumped to the side, just barely getting nicked. You've been affected with an instance of fatigue due to a variation of poison. Fatigue is somewhat negated due to low levels of AP. Fatigue, 9 minutes 57 seconds. Oh, oh crap, my body's not, it's, it's not listening to me. Crap, I push mana through my body. A brief surge of energy through it allows me to move out of the way of the next strike as a mass of blood surges past me. The mana doesn't truly replenish my AP. It's just another form of stimulant in this instance, akin to better adrenaline, I would say. Wait. No. I can't think on that right now, in a fight. Can't think on the implications regarding her either. Just gotta defeat her. You're light in your feet? Color me impressed. The warbling voice seems to echo from the mass. Seems more akin to slurping than any coherent language. But the meaning still gets through my mind, as she does another pass. I strike down on her mass as she passes me, but she gets another hit on me, this time actually drawing blood instead of just breaching the first layer of skin. I push downwards on the table, actually causing her form to splat noticeably, and the table to crack of the force. You've been afflicted by another instance of fatigue. You have been inflicted with blood form of poison. Fatigue 2. 9 minutes, 23 seconds. Blood poison, 4 minutes, 48 seconds. Crap, my health is no longer regenerating. That's no good at all. At least I know why it's called blood poison. I desperately need a way to stop that from happening next time. I can't rely on my luck forever. Wait, mana? That's not been affected whatsoever. I mean, I at least hope she doesn't have anything that affects it. Let's see if what I'm thinking works. I prepare myself by forming an idea in my mind and pushing it towards success. Then my mass below me comes back together, and the knives recoagulate before being launched upwards towards my chin. I bring up my arm, and the manor seems to do its job properly as it deflects the knives through the open hole in the top. For covering a portion of your body in manor, you have learned the skill Manic Defense. Manic Defense level 2, 31 out of 100%. Cost varying MP. This basic skill for most physical, physical mages, mages allows the user to cover portions of their body in mana, enhancing their basic defenses into something more. The more mana that is put towards body parts, the more impenetrable they become. The more body parts that you try to cover, the more mana that needs to be put into it. The higher level the skill is, the faster you can infuse your body with mana, and the more dense you can make the layer. Note, the highest your mana currently allows for covering your entire body with mana amounts to the thickness of leather armor. Didn't think you had that kind of skill. Guess that makes my job a little harder then. Her voice seems to grow louder as her form shrinks in on itself. Until finally, there's only one thing left. There lies a blood-red sword floating in the air, its very sharpness seeming to make the very air bleed. My eyes can only widen in surprise. As it dashes forward, I put my arms up and cross guard, barely able to get my mana around them in time, before the sword utterly pierces through it. My face most likely has the most shocked expression on my face now. I mean, it's probably the most expected one. After all, the knife penetrated both my arms and almost went into my chest. The real surprising thing about it was that it was almost painless. Maybe it's the poison hitting me harder. Crap. Yeah. Got more instances. 
Blood poison, thankfully, doesn't stack. Or I already got the maximum dosage earlier. However, I'm on about half of my health now. I mean, it's 1,900 out of 3,950. So basically half. So, if I can't do something right now, I think I'm screwed. Just give in to my aids already, yeah? You've already caused me a lot of trouble, and I'd rather not be late for my employer. Employer? Wait, crap. There's something bigger here than a simple ransom. Can't just go all out. But how do I even... Hold on a second. Is that Marvel? I literally didn't notice him until now. How am I such a bad fruer? No. Don't answer that. You already know. But yeah, as Carmia and I try to push each other's advantage over the other, he was just wriggling like a caterpillar within a bunch of ropes towards a... bag. Wait, he's staring at me. Something important is in there. Could it help? I guess there's only one way to find out. I briefly nod towards him, hoping that whatever senses this thing has, it's not really based on sight, since I don't see any floating eyeballs in the pile of blood. Then I turn my attention back to the blob. Okay, question time. How am I supposed to- Uh Aha! I think I know how to solve this problem. All I need is a little twist. But that thought, I stopped pushing towards her and let her put all of her weight into me, as I simply wrench, with some not-so-good sounds, as well as a glop of what I can assume is surprise, she is no longer stabbing me in the right direction. I push my arms apart swiftly, trying to take advantage of the slight moment of confusion, as I leave gaping holes in both my arms and catch the handle of the blade. Now who's got the upper hand, huh? My taunting seems to snap her out of confusion as her form starts to fully jiggle and lose cohesion. However, within that mass that was the sword, I can still make out the silhouette of the joint knife. I let go completely, feeling the first amount of pain that I had since the whole fight started. I think that she's not only made out of blood, but also some kind of acid, as my hands seem to be melting into the same shade of paste as her being. I know I probably won't have much of a hand after this, but I have to try anyway. I plunge my hand into the still glopping blade and pull out the knife within. With that, the form loses coherency and no longer resembles the sword it once was. I know her connection to the knife is still in there, as it is trying to get out of my grip. However, that's the one thing that I was counting on. I push every last ounce of strength into throwing the knife with as much accuracy as I can give it. It flies through as it soars towards Marwell, cuts a few of his ropes seamlessly. However, the knife stops halfway before coming straight back towards me, directly in front of my eyes. My surprise seems to be all that my enemy wants, as a form grasps and grapples me down onto a familiar hardwood floor. I can make out a faint chuckling, as I am now utterly stuck. I am at a mercy. I have no more plays to make. Anything I can try is almost likely going to kill me. I no longer have any control of the situation. See, was that so hard? A chuckle, as her form starts resembling more humanoid than blob. You know, I was worried for a second there. I thought that you'd finished us both with that throw. It's a good thing I've been working on my control. Otherwise, you'd be ending up with a dead sentence. Okay, gotta keep it talking. Uh, well, it's worth a shot. A death sentence? After you kidnapped him, I mean, sure, he's a noble, but he should have been able to at least take some of these effects. Her face starts to come into the shape, as well as the digits in both her hands and feet. It was at that moment I knew that she was incredibly angry. He's not a... 
No, calm here. No, don't lose yourself to rage. That's what he wants. It would also help if you stopped talking to yourself. Shut up! The blade fully pierces my eye, and then I lose my entire vision from my right eye. I'm on goddamn 100 HP and dropping. I'm a guard! What did you do? Why can't I see anything? My mouth stopped from making any more noises, as part of itself seems to cover it entirely. With a silence, my working eye goes crazy looking around. Into my eye spots the most important thing that I've seen during the entire event. I'm on goddamn 150 HP and dropping. Crap! Must have damaged some brain tissue. Definitely not good at all. Explains a blooming headache, though. Okay, now you get it. Now you know who's in control. So, here's how it's going to... And with that, she stops talking. Not through anything on her part, but because Marwall's directly behind her with something pointed at her head. Leave him alone. The rasping voice almost sounds like an angel to my situation. My arms are no longer restrained. My mouth is no longer covered, and the knife is removed. And I hope that nothing came out of with it. She slowly turns around towards him, while getting off of me entirely and slowly rising to a crouch. All right, we don't have to do anything drastic, he... I punch her straight through her head. She wobbles for a bit before falling back down. I turn my attention from her back to Marwell. Hey, man, uh, glad to see the impromptu plan worked. Uh, Got anything to recover AP? Gotta get rid of the poison before I die in about ten minutes. My words are mumbled and I think barely coherent from the amount of blood that has left my body. However, Marwall nods before reaching down to the ground into his bag, before throwing me a vial. My hands almost miss it, as my vision can no longer be trusted. But I think some of my keen Keen senses senses are... Huh, that's awfully strange. Why would I getting be better with it if it's still capped until I evolve it or... No, wait, gotta down this before anything permanent happens... I uncork it and log it back, noticing that my AP has recovered to about half. Good enough. I activate recovery and add on my regenerate spell with the rest of the mana I have. The poison seeps out of my pores and my regeneration is no longer hindered. The cuts of my arm seem to close, although I can still feel the openings moving around inside my flesh. Finally, my eye seems to regain a bit of sight, although not much. It's definitely out of focus and the only thing that might fix it is a constant use of regenerate. Crap, with how much AP I've left, it would take me about two days until I'm back to full. I crack my neck as I try to get the battle cricks. So, what does that thing do anyway? I eye Marwall as he chuckles with the most bone-chilling rasp I've ever heard. Damn, must be pretty powerful. Or he's bluffing. Hope he's not bluffing. Well, now that you're here, we gotta make sure that you can't try anything, yeah? I grasp her hand firmly and activate Mana Siphon. Mana comes in at almost a crawl as I try grasping it like a dead man. I mean, this will take a while, but it also is the reason I just didn't use it all during the fight. I hadn't used it. It's only level 7 now, I suppose. Damn, didn't think you'd have that. She sighs as her form begins to gain solidity and loses the blood-red color into more of a fade. Along with the dulling of the color and the gaining of new ones, the knife lying on the floor splits in twain, back into its constituents. Her form now is the most human-like one that I'd seen in a while, except for the fact that every single inch of her being seemed to be made from the same slime. Her hair, 
albeit looked right, was still slime. Her eyes were not true balls, but simply indentations with grooves cut out. Also, for some reason, she didn't have a nose or ears, which kind of creeped me out. With everyone else, I was at least able to talk to them somewhat, but with her, I think she's got a bit of the uncanny valley thing going for her. I stop siphoning as I grab a rope from the floor and wrap her up. I sigh in relief as I finally realize that she can't really do anything. Well, she might gain mana to jumpstart her transformation again, but she's utterly defeated and too depressed to add her defeat to even try anything. I don't know why I know that, and I can't tell how, no. Wait, I do know why. Inspection! Inspection. Huh, more useful than I thought then. Hey, uh... Marwell, our friends might uh, take a long while to catch up if Rolleron keeps going on like this. Can you calm him down? He nods once and moves over to the front of the carriage, passing me the device while he goes. I level it at her the same way that he had, as I try to take a seat on the only non-broken chair within the room. I try to familiarize it, and I recognize where the input manner with my advanced sight, even if half of it is buggy right now. Now then, uh... Now all the fighting is done, and you're all contained properly. I've got some questions for you. So start talking before I have to get real serious. I grin saliciously as she finally brings her head up in the slouch that it become once siphoning began. Her face is set into a grim line, and I can tell that this is really painful for her. But with a slouch of her shoulders, I can tell that she just gives in. All right, what do you want to know? End of chapter. Chapter 58. Carmia winced as the ropes pulled tighter on her. She may have been able to turn somewhat into liquid due to her racial ability, but the draining she had left her with no energy for it. Thus, she was stuck in her original state. So, with the ropes tightened, they did not cut through her, but compressed her. She sighed as a man stood away from her and sat down across the table from her, he had done her up in a classic interrogation pose, which she had the pleasure of avoiding for her entire career. She didn't exactly expect to have to ever been caught, as she was over level 40 deception and a high charisma. Then again, she'd never really had to deal with the obfuscating her scent before. Sure, most bast had better senses than most of the bide, but she mostly relied on perfume and other such items to help. Never before had a beast of all things gave away to failure. She would have to take care of that glaring issue with herself in the future. Otherwise, she couldn't return to being literally the slippery to deal with that she operated within the effect of the law. She was a bit confused as to why he had been completely silent ever since she asked what he wanted to know. It might have been an intimidation tactic. If the guy hadn't kept wincing from the stab to his eye, she had to admit... This assassin was the most hardy out of all that had been sent after her objectives. Then again, he didn't seem like one, since he was going out of his way not to kill her and, surprisingly, relying on his target. Thinking back on the fight, she was kind of surprised about the result. He obviously had no fighting style to help him through the whole battle, as she had been thoroughly confined towards her own. She could not recognize the telltale signs of guidance, as every move seemed to be made by a thought of a newborn. Perhaps it was a secret one, like the infamous Drunken Master style, where you could have no clue what you were doing or supposed to be doing, but she had doubts, considering his eyes were clearly panicking in moments throughout their fight. 
Or at least, they thought they were. Her memory wasn't really all that good, given that her intelligence was in the low 20s. It was enough for most energy usage in her form, even if she wasn't cracked open like a normal mage. But she had doubts now, considering that it was entirely gone and would likely get itself back. Judging from her manner, seemed to directly flow towards the man, even with him no longer touching her. She sighed, and she prepared herself for coming interrogation, as the man had finally found a comfortable position to sit in. She prepared her skills to look at the man to be ready for the coming battle of words. However, it also came as a surprise to her that the reader she had thought him to be within the pub in the previous town was in fact something else. Name, Dave. Race, human, level 79. Class, level 25. Current mood, unknown. Current goal, unknown. The results of her inspect gave her extreme pause in her chair. As the man Dave settled himself down, the highest class he had access to was something she had never heard of, judging how her translation had garbled the concept entirely. Judging from that, she could safely assume that he was a self-made, which made some kind of sense. He could have simply tied in a previous skill from the reader class to his new concept that he was trying to bring out. She was also surprised that he was still around, given that most self-mates died in the process of making their own mark upon the Panopticon, so seeing one still roaming around was a bit rarer than the usual ilk that she encountered. Bringing her head away from the class, she headed downwards towards the most important facet when dealing with a new race, their mood and goal. However, imagine her surprise when something else began to go wrong, which was perhaps the strangest thing about the skill's result. Her inspect, which came from combined observe and introspection evolution, should have had all the known binds in the world at its database in terms of body language, but there he was, blank. That could just mean that his deception or some other misinformation skill was extremely high, but judging from before in the previous conversation as the old woman moniker, he had no access to it. Indeed, she could tell without inspect's influence that he was just nervous just talking to her and saying certain words, there was really only two options here. Either his race was a newcomer within the Bite community, which would mean something really horrible was about to occur with an influx of new population which no one knew about, or it was an untorn something that had been cut off but got back out of good graces. She was more leaning towards the second of the two, since the race didn't have a blank next to it. She didn't really know too much about Tor, only that they were once part of the world before the gods simply willed them to be forgotten. But their works left to rot. Once in a while, someone would find a book with a language of one within them, advancing the research within the archaeology site. But more often than not, it was just some cultural info, rather than what had done them in. In the end, she had also been told that Torn were not destroyed but simply kept away from the world at large, left to their own devices away from gods, beasts, and all between. To see one here could only mean that their species had gotten back into the good graces of one of the gods, becoming their patron. However, that train of thought had to wait, and she brought her gaze back upwards and noticed that she had skipped, perhaps the most important thing within the little blurb of slime, his overall race level. Most people often make race level a second priority in order to focus on class skills and abilities. If one focused on them enough, progress in a class would turn into progress within a race. It was simple progress either way. 
However, due to him being a self-made, it could only mean that he killed a lot to get to the position he was in. Well, either that or he had gone on several dungeon sprees. With all these things fighting for attention within her mind, she tried calming them down with thoughts about how Inspect worked. As time went on, the Jedi would provide up-to-date info on a target's moods and goals moment by moment. Maybe by then they would start working correctly. However, in the middle of her settling down several of her internal concerns, she was startled from her thoughts as Dave finally spoke up, after moments of silence. Who are you really? The question gave a pause. Why would he? The thought almost immediately cut off as she replayed back their encounter, remembering the way she cut down his skill. Ah, my name is Kamiya Katja. If you are unsure of yourself, I was surprised at our initial meeting and hadn't activated obfuscation in time for you to catch some things. He seemed to nod to himself as she relaxed slightly. Obfuscation wasn't really a telltale sign of a class, so it seems that her oath of silence did not care about the slip-up. What are you? The question posited by the man in front of her seemed to resonate within her mind. He already knew that question, didn't he? Why would he ask it again? Perhaps he'd forgotten, or had thought that what he saw was wrong. Either way, he could be trying to gauge out whether she could lie to him or not, so it would be best just to stick with the truth for now. I'm a Pagona. We're more slime-based bite that have ability to impersonate other bites, if that's why you're wondering about the color and the, the size... At this, she willed herself to expand and contract slightly, but all that seemed to do was jiggle her extremities. She caught the way his eyes followed. However, almost immediately, he'd brought them back up to stare at her eye plates. What's your level? Ah, a bit more distinct question here, she supposed. However, it wasn't quite distinct enough to actually have a clear answer. Which one? His eyes almost seemed to search through something before he slightly tilted his head to the side. The main one. Main one could mean a lot of things, but guessing on how he had asked her about her race, she was pretty sure that she was asking for the race level. My race level is 32. His eyes widened slightly, while his mouth opened and closed a bit. He brought his hand to his forehead, kneading his skin, before finally speaking again. Why so low? Low? Why would he at all consider this low? Then she realized something. He'd started out with a self-made class. It would certainly explain why it was as high as a quarter complete. However, that didn't really explain why he was asking her. Did he expect something different from a skill set shown thus far? What do you mean? His eyebrows pointed downwards in a succinct compression of disapproval before raising them back up. While leaning back in his chair in a relaxed manner, she began to realize something. His tells would be similar to an ebbs, so while his skill was unhelpful towards his goals and mood for conversation, she could still suss out his emotions in a more physical manner. However, her short-lived realization seemed to be glad to be put to use in Dave's spoke. Well, um, for a kidnapper and someone with a finesse in blades, I'd assume that you were just a hired assassin, so... Oh, no, that's not my class, uh, definitely not. Besides, I've also heard the same rumors about assassins. <laughs> Join their classes to their race to get better gains with Panopticon. Besides, unlike you uh, self-made people, most try to level the classes up before leveling their race. She was glad to find out why he was so surprised at her general status, but she was still somewhat ashamed of herself. For one her age, she should have probably had ten or more levels in her race. 
However, she had put more effort into keeping tabs on a local lord than advancing herself further, so she could at least somewhat forgive herself. How do you know my class is self-made? A dangerous writhing seemed to fill the air, and her eyes were able to tell that something black seemed to be leaking out of his hands. I have analyzed, and some of your information's corrupted. Otherwise, it would translate the job perfectly. His eyes seemed to soften then, as his tensed hands unclenched, dropping to the table. Little flecks of ash seemed to spill out of them. Well, she thought, that's certainly interesting. She was kind of glad that the oath filled in the words of all her on that sentence. Okay, good, then, uh, wait. That doesn't explain the one guy. What was his name? Oh, Baldor! At that, her eyes seemed to widen considerably as she pushed her emotions inwards. It was the best for her to be careful how she stated the following, given that present company had certainly heard rumors abound. He was a berserker. Most combat classes are a bit of a special case, as they compound with race levels more often than not. His being higher than his class was a bit of a special case. His, uh, let's just say, special diet allowed him to somewhat gain more levels than what his class allowed him to naturally gain. Yeah? At this, his face turned a bit green, which was interesting in and of itself. Most ebbs that she knew could not really change the color like she could. It made her a bit more invested into how his race actually functioned. And I guess that answers that, since, um, you know my class. Kind of, I suppose. Uh, what about yours? Ah, this, she thought, was the big question. He certainly saw all her moves, certainly saw her fighting style. The question here is, should she actively hide it, or just let the oath take care of it? She weighed the decision in her head and found herself veering towards the first option. She never really did like it when the oath controlled her actions, felt like a leaf in the water, just being carried along for the ride. I can't tell you that, or show it to you, if you're thinking of uh, reading me. His eyes seemed to narrow in incredulity. Won't or can't? Ah, he might think that it's a contract thing then. She found herself wanting to throw him off the scent. Does it matter? At that, he seemed to narrow his eyes even further, almost putting them into slits before blinking them back to normal and leaning forward, letting his head fall into his hand. Ah, oath of silence then. Damn, can't get in for like that then. She was surprised at that. Not many people had heard of that specific oath. Most were just informed of the priestly order's ones, or the ones of compliance. However, her surprise was short-lived, as he had kept on talking through the surprising amount of information they'd given away. Well, I guess I should ask the most prominent question. Why the kidnapping? I was hired to work for the behest of some nobles. Don't really know why they wanted him. She had to remind herself not to mention family names or goals at all. It wasn't like she wasn't allowed to, but she had signed a contract with the family head. They'd know if she'd given away any of their secrets, even if this one was relatively mild. However, the next question didn't come in a fast-paced sense as the others. She thought about it, and decided that perhaps this was a time to take a chance. Could I, um, could I ask some questions too? Her words seemed to pull him out of whatever funk that he'd drummed himself into, as he brought his head out of his hands, opting to lean on the table and letting it rest atop it. Why? Oh, well, um, I've already told you a lot about myself. I think you should too, after all, with all you put me through. I think I deserve some answers on the things I couldn't find out about you. He didn't say anything after that. He focused intently on her face. The attention was a little too much for her, and she twitched, sending another ripple through her body. 
He turned his face away before readjusting himself and nodding towards her. What's your race, then? He didn't even take a second to think about it. I'm a human. The word was a little strange. I didn't exactly translate all that well into common, but with sounds that were pronounceable by most species. She had wondered how the word was pronounced, but more than most, she wondered what it had meant. Not going to say anything else, then? He seemed to tilt his head, motioning towards another bout of confusion. If she was right, she was concerned, however. Throughout this conversation, she tried changing form to his species to make him more comfortable within the conversation. Basically, her goal was to get him more willing to let her go certain information that she might have liked to know. However, no matter how much she tried, her racial skill just wouldn't function right. It really bothered her. Unless his species was all just a single sex, she should have been able to at least have done something. Well, what is there to say? It's not like I know what makes us special like you guys. All I know is that I woke up one day and, uh, why am I saying this to you? Ah, he found out. Even haphazardly, he found one of his skills. She didn't think that job was all that detectable, but apparently he had found it, and noticeably did not have it at all. She tried to string him along to do something else. What about your class? Did you have to give up a class and incorporated skills for it? His eyes lost their confusion, focusing on her. She didn't try to push the point that he didn't naturally want to give up. It'd be best just to move on to another avenue of approach, even if she wondered how exactly his race differed from all bide. That investigation of his self-made class would prove more and more noticeable towards his skill set. It's supposed to be mainly a non-combative one, and no... Didn't have to do that. Her eye plates widened in confusion as she started to tap her feet against the floor. If he was able to do this while being a non-combatant, without even using skills or other sacrificial classes, she thought, what could he have done to her if he had chosen to make a combat-oriented one? Why all the fighting then? The question seemed to make him focus more on himself rather than what she was doing. As his inquiry stopped in his throat, he seemed to consider it, as he brought his hands to a steeple and closed his eyes for a moment. Then, after a while, he opened him and his mouth. Well, the world just seems to be like a dangerous place. It'd be better to have some combat experience than none when you're going around in places. I mean, you took the first friend I made since I got out into the world proper. Can't rightly say that I could call myself a person if I was heartless enough to not look for him or fight to get him free. Hmm... Yes, that was good enough, she supposed. He had probably known about the latter tenth of progress is usually when the heavens challenge most self-made. If he wasn't prepared for that, he definitely wouldn't have made it this far. You performed some magic after the fight. Who taught you? This was perhaps the most pressing question. If she had accidentally harmed a fellow pupil of a wandering teacher, well, let's just say she probably wouldn't be able to get any more lessons. I could say the same. What's up with the blood dagger? She copped a confused face on wild, narrowing, and protruding slime to mimic her eyebrows. Frustration, or at least what she hoped so from his point of view. It was challenging to figure out whether or not he followed Ev's social cues, after all. However, she thought to herself that she should probably let this one go. If she was one willing to give how she was performing magic, even in some work done by her affinity to blood, uh. then she would have lost any amount of respect that she built up through the conversation. Nah. I knew I was pushing too much. Guess I should give my answer then, hmm? My master was, and still is, if they would continue teaching me, Odala Jackdaw. What about you then? Have your master, or did you train in a school of magic like Gunsung Academy? 
She turned away from herself and tried to make the conversation turn towards his origins. Giving some information would help him know whether or not he was affiliated with the rogue mage. But there wasn't any noticeable reaction to the name she mentioned, nor any signs of acknowledgement when she talked about the National School of Magic. Um, self-taught, I suppose. That was perhaps the most surprising thing that she had heard about him, and she definitely had said it aloud. That's surprising. Why? At that, she tried adopting the same posture as he did previously, leaning back in the chair as much as she could while tired, and tried to put up the same airy gaze as before. She hoped that this was somewhat conveying being detached from her emotions. It would not do to give him undue information about his first failed attempt. Usually, cracking her mind open would result in death without any supervision. No noticeable emotional change, except probably something subtle within the way he nodded his head. However, before she was able to voice another question about his relation to the noble, she was assigned to return to his home. He voiced a tentative question. Where's Gunsong Academy? You're kidding me, right? There was a palpable moment of silence, where she was actively trying to figure out whether or not he was joking. Ebbs usually had a noticeable tell when they were joking mood, but she couldn't seem to find it. Was she wrong? No. Huh. Guess that must mean you're pretty far off the path to know the name of a country you're in, yeah? This gave her a load of information. He was either the most ignorant person in the world, which was unlikely since he was able to do some magic, or he was out of his element, much like how the tall would be. Yeah, I suppose. I wouldn't fault you for it, though. The territory around here is often divided between other countries' influence. She pulled out some bullcrap that she'd heard a while ago to explain why he's ignorant. Sure, it was true that some countries had often had gods that enforced both their territory and the countries in the same way. However, Gunsong wasn't one of them. However, she could twist this lie so that he wouldn't know that she knew about the previous status. Why do you know so much about that? However, just that one explanation did seem to bring up that big question. But she had an easy out for the question, though. It pays to work for nobles. Could you, um, teach me about the governments around here? The question surprised her. No one ever really asked her to teach before. Sure, this was perhaps a great way of limiting the amount of information that this unknown had, but another part of her was kind of ecstatic, to achieve the title of a master. One of the requirements was to help teach someone. Sure, there was a lot more requirements to have it, but it was a step in the right direction for her. So, she nodded tentatively. He seemed to be a bit ecstatic at the thought. However, there was something off here to her. He was acting especially strange. He was offering no more questions to ask, and she couldn't think of any to ask. Plus, the mana drain still existed. Without that, she couldn't leave her bonds and try again with her attempts towards Marwall. However, even if she could, she doubted that her attempts would last long. During the fight, she noticed that he never used his magic. Now, either he actually wasn't fighting with all he had, or his magic was more than deadly kind. So... But the thoughts swirling around her head, she whispered her final question. Why aren't you kidding me? What? With my high class, you should just get over and raise yourself higher. Plus, you've gotten all the info that you could about the situation. Why haven't you killed me? She had brought her head down. She couldn't right look him in the eyes when he would give the verdict. Either she was under the guillotine, or she was putting herself under the phantom menace. You're under orders. I can't just kill someone who has personally done me no wrong. At that, the manor drain cuts off. Her surprise was written on her face, as her entire form writhed. 
Her mana regeneration had no longer stagnated, and as time went on, was getting back up again, slowly and surely. However, she also noticed that they hadn't yet untied her. When am I going to be untied? He quirked an eyebrow and stared at her while getting out of his chair. When we completely trust you that you won't kidnap Marwell again or hurt any of us. It was a reasonable request, she surmised. However, there was a desperation that began to dwell in her. If he wasn't in the chair, were they not going to talk to her anymore? She didn't think so, as Dave had brought up the topic of further talking with his future teaching. But a little voice in her head couldn't exactly let it go. Are we not going to talk anymore? He stopped as he was pushing his chair in and used an arm to gesture to the new sky on top of the cabin. Before she knew it, the light from the dusk had faded entirely, and the stars had come out in the full twinkling light. No, it's nightfall. I have to watch the horizon for people I left behind. Plus, some people around here need more sleep than most. At that, he went silent, went to the corner of the wagon and sat down in a weird stance. Then she realized it was going to be a long night, so she might as well try and get comfortable. She tried to get into position to sleep, but no matter what she did, it always was like she was pinching herself whenever she tried. Because of that, she simply stopped trying. Now, sleep for a pagoda is quite different from most how bite do so, because unlike other bites, pagonas didn't actually have brains that needed sleep. Sure, she had the need for sleep, but it was more of a thing to relax any of her muscles within her body. So their sleep was more akin to an aware meditation skill. They were aware of most things within a ten-foot radius that happened around them while they slept. However, she was not. Her sight out from her body was blocked mostly by both the chair and the ropes tying her up. So, while she could see everything in front of her and above her, she couldn't tell what was going on behind her. So, as the moons rose to shine through the hole overhead, and she was replaying the conversation and the actions of the day within her head, she was brought out of her sleep by a pinch in the night. And, when she groggily looked behind her, she noticed that it was Marwall, with the same device from earlier pressed into the small of her neck. She tried to move, but her limbs would not follow her train of thought. Somehow, a paralysis had come upon her that was quite unfortunate, too, as she had finally gotten enough mana to compress her body and slip out of the ropes combining her. Hi, Marwell. I take it you still haven't forgiven me, eh? The narrow eyes brokered no agreement. Well, whatever helps you get through it, I suppose. I did abduct you rather harshly, by the way. How's your steed? Usually my animal handling leaves him a bit groggy, but none worse for wear. He was silent, as per usual, and absolutely still in movement. However, he did nod slightly as he went towards the front of the caravan and tied the front door shut before heading to the very back and opening a flap to look into the distance. A peaceful quiet wove its way through the very air as Marwall stared out back. She brought her gaze away from the diminutive bide towards the only other person here. However, he was also utterly silent. She studied him, trying to figure out whether or not he was sleeping. Then she noticed the glow that he was providing. It wasn't overly pronounced, but she could tell as it provided a different color upon his skin and surrounded his clothes. She tried simulating a cough to get his attention, but whatever he was doing, he was engrossed within it. Why is he just sitting there? Can he not hear us? Her question posed at Marvel seemed to break him out of his steadfast watch. He looked towards her, then him, and brought his gaze back. He thought on it a while, while bringing his paw up to squeeze the hair on his chin. However, what answer he was going to give was interrupted by a subject of a new conversation. 
I can hear you fine. I'm just ignore it sometimes. But that she knew. Something in her knew what this was. The way he spoke coming out of it. It wasn't something that she had experienced with. But being her race, having her innate abilities, there was no question about what he was doing. What other classes do you have? Her thoughts tried to put to order. This matter of whether or not he had what she thought he possessed were noticeable pulls went through the air. Just the one, why? A retort came at almost immediately from him. She could tell he wasn't lying through his voice. It was the same tone he'd used throughout the entirety of the dual interrogation. Impossible. You have to be in the, the monk, monk class to have access towards meditation-type skills. It gets taken away if you ever leave, so... Then she realized something. She now knew what his race allowed, without getting to a reader, and with his permission, she would not know the official name for it, but she could automatically tell its effects. What? Her training off had been caught up by him. Either he hadn't realized what she said, or he was wondering whether or not she had figured it out. Either way, there wasn't any real point in continuing the conversation as it was. Nothing, you're just confusing us all. However, in her mind a great celebration occurred, a victory over a mystery and either deliberate or unnecessary obfuscation. It was perhaps one of the more powerful abilities that she had heard of. It wasn't something noticeable like a race's abilities, or natural acquirement of an affinity like an Ev. No, his thing, his species, was basically based around no limitations. Whatever skill he would set out to get, he would be able to get, despite any class limitations. He could gain any skill just through sheer effort, without having to worry about whether the class restricted its usage. Her thoughts, however, important towards her future dealings with Dave, were interrupted as Marwell began gesturing towards the horizon. She looked out to find a familiar form of their carriage coming towards them, slightly alight from the glow of the moon, and as it came closer and closer, the familiar thudding became louder and louder. Ah, they finally caught up. End of chapter. This is a special thank you to the one, the only, the legendary Erak Hino, who has become the only Tier 6 patron. I just want to thank the T5 patrons and channel members. Cam Maxwell, Casper Arnholtz, Australia the Dreamer, Trigan95, Pudic Yol, Meridian117, Elysia, Jordan Buxborn, Angry Marine, Albarden Gasta, and Barkey. Thank you very much. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. There are links down below both to support this channel and for the author of this fiction. Anyways, I hope you all have a fantastic one, and I'll see you next time. Cheers.